This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is underwritten by Syraclad. The Syraclad Rainscreen Fiber Cement Siding System, a proven track record of performance in Japan for nearly 40 years. Zero chemicals, triple coated and factory finished color layering. The ceramic and photocatalytic coat provides 365 day self-cleaning and a 20 year fade limited warning. This high performance siding system serves as an honored innovation with parent company Panasonic and Kubota. For more information, please visit syraclad.com. For our guest today, we're uh, we're honored and thrilled to welcome Michael Porras, a founding principal at Macintosh Porras Architects, where uh, Michael's led the charge on restoring Detroit's most iconic neighborhoods and landmark buildings. Since returning to the city in 1995, he's tirelessly worked to preserve the legacy of its beloved 20th century architecture and historic districts, while helping implement change through innovative design. His architectural leadership has transformed Detroit with groundbreaking projects such as the Foundation Hotel and the East Riverfront Framework Plan, both recognized with numerous awards. The firm has gained over 130 design accolades, including 30 AIA Honor Awards and 70 Detroit Design Awards. For more information, visit MacintoshPorus.com. That's M-C-I-N-T-O-S-H-P-O-R-I-S.com. Michael, Welcome to your show today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Michael, what quote or mantra do you, do you, do you have one personally or professionally that, that, that really strikes you, as, uh, as, uh, that matters to you? Oh, God. Uh, uh, that's a good question. Um, well, I get you know, there's a number of them. Um, one that sticks in my head, of course, is uh, uh, God is in the details. Okay. Although um, I often think of it more as God is in the cash flow. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> the first I've ever heard. <laughs> That's funny. Well, it's one I made up. But, okay. you know, when you start your own firm and you, you know, learn how to you know, run a business and you realize cash flow is really important. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but also, uh, um, oh, there's a number of them. Um, uh, Philip Johnson's uh, three most important things in architecture: get the job, get the job, get the job. I like that. Why is that so strong with you? Obviously, both of those. It really fascinates me as to why they really, really matter to you. Um, I think you know. Being an entrepreneur, you know, which we don't really learn about in school and when we're working, um, you know, and building a firm from nothing, um, you know, the the business, you know, learning how to run a business, operate a studio, make it a place people want to be, make it a place where you can pay people enough, you know, which is a big issue in architecture, um, you know, these things become important. So, you know, you got to get the jobs, you, you have to get the work, you have to, and you want to get the right work. 
Um, so, you know, there is no office without getting the work. So get the job, get the job, get the job is pretty important. Yeah, I, um, I think agree. And it's not, yeah. a, it's not taught in any most universities, if any. No. no it's a different no. skill set. It's a different mindset. It's a different grind yes. that, that um, not everyone understands for sure. Most no. don't understand it. No, but which is common amongst all professions, you know, whether you're doctors, lawyers, architects, accountants, you know, it's, um, they don't often don't teach that stuff, but, um, but you learn it the hard way. <laughs> the hard, the, well, the result has been, and as was, we were discussing before the show is I love your work. I mean, I really, really do. And specifically, your the website, your guests are welcome to go to uh, the website, the Foundation Hotel. Tell us how that project came about. Well, um, so that's one of my favorite projects. Um, it's actually an interesting story. Um, the um, I was given a tip in 2012 by um, a friend from the city that the the uh the building was going to be um emptied it was the detroit uh firehouse uh headquarters fire department headquarters and they were going to move out and the building was going to become available so there would eventually be an rfp and uh, i was told to start thinking about redevelopment of it mm -hmm. um and so i did and start thinking about putting you know development teams together and um, and it was partly because that was right when Dan Gilbert um, had started buying up buildings and it felt like he was buying everything. So um, it was kind of, uh, you know, well, let's, maybe there'll be one building that he doesn't get. Um, but um, so, so I went to three different clients and uh, all of whom ended up competing in the RFP. Surprisingly, we're the only ones that submitted for the RFP. So we were uh, we were on three of I have three of the four teams, um, but um, but and, and through that process, um, it, we came up with the idea of making it a hotel, um, and um, which was the best use for it. And um, so uh, the developer we worked with locally, uh, Walter Cohn, found reached out and found Aperium Hotels who was uh, just starting. So this was their flagship development. And um, and we went after it and we won the RFP with the bid of $1.2 million to buy the building from the city. And that was the high bid. Um, but what really sold the city was the hotel idea that was going to create, uh, I think, 160 jobs and and you know, and, and revenue for the city as far as taxes and and create a great, you know, sort of um, restaurant bar uh, right next to the um, Cobo Hall Convention Center. In, in addition to, as we were discussing, the um, a podcast studio. Yes, yes. So the podcast studio was, a, was an idea of one of the owners or one of the developers that um, as something to, an amenity for the community to use, to come and use the, and because they really wanted um, the apparatus room, the bar, restaurant, lounge, to be a, a draw for the local community, not just for the people staying there. 
So the podcast room was was for that, but also for the people staying at the hotel, um, which a lot of you know a lot of pretty well known people or people passing through the city stay there. And so it was like, oh well, if you have you know David Byrne or you know Brian, <laughs> who knows here, um, you know they could use it. And uh, and so um, that was pretty cool. Excellent. How how did you keep that the integrity? Um of the property and the structure and still can keep the sustainability factor as well. Well, that was pretty much the goal. Um, so a, it was a historic, uh, building. So we, uh, we used historic tax credits to develop it. So some of keeping the character and, and um, keeping a lot of it is, is, you know, in order to meet those standards, um, that's the easy part somewhat. Um, also, there was a pretty tight budget. So um, <laughs> so using as much as we could became a way of making it uh, doable. We built the project for $25 million, which was about $250,000 a key. It's a 100-room hotel, um, which, you know, was really good considering what we got. And... Um, but and we we really utilized like we used ASWD. I mentioned them before, Architectural Salvage Warehouse Detroit, to deconstruct um, what the, deconstruct like during demolition um, things like the wooden floors and and millwork and mm-hmm. wood um, throughout um, that uh, so we could store it and reuse it. So we actually reused a bunch of stuff that we took out. Um, uh, like in the rooms um, and throughout, and um, and just and and then, yeah, that was a, a big part of it. Is you know how to how to really use it um, and build it um, from the things that we took out and and from other things in Detroit that were salvaged. For you personally, how did you become so interested in restoring historical buildings? Uh, well, the, it's a very good question. It was not an interest until I came to Detroit. Um, most of the firms I had worked at were very modern firms doing very modern work. Um, although we did, I did do, I worked on a Carnegie Hall edition um, when I was at Caesar Pelley's years ago. So that, you know, there was some um, historic background experience, but um Detroit was full of great old buildings from the early 20th century and the common the common way of dealing with them when we first came back here was dem- demolition. Uh, there were 90 vacant buildings downtown and the city wanted to just you know demolish all of them. Um, how we got started working in 95 uh, in 1995 downtown was um, uh, the city wanted to tear down not just the Hudson's building, but all of the buildings on the uh, east side of Woodward to build a park. And um, it was a horrible idea. And we ended up on a committee for the mayor's office to come up with an alternative. And uh, and that alternative was to create a uh, recreate sort of downtown and all these vacant buildings into a um, you know, residential, uh, mixed-use residential, commercial um, entertainment area. 
and uh, district. And, um, and that's, you know, in the end, how it went. But that was the kernel of the vision for that, like in 1996, 95. How have you maintained, and I've only seen some of your work in the magazines and your website, keeping the integrity of the structure? Well, a lot of that is context. Um, we vary, so context, I think of context like Richard Serra thinks of context. Um, and everything we do is in a context. And this is, um, you know, and it's also like Saranon, who was right up the street. Um, you know, whether you're doing an interior, you know, and it's the furniture in the, in the context of the room, a building, you know, and, and a house in the context of a neighborhood, a you know, building in the context of a city. Um, you know, everything is in relationship to what you're doing. So working with an existing building uh, is basically a context. And so what you do with that, what you take away, what you add is is all, you know, in relationship to that. And, and when you do historic tax credits, um, there's very specific ways that you're supposed to add to a building um, and make it look like it was of today and not make it, you know, historically what it was. So it's, um, and that's from the secretary standards. So, you know, that already encourages you to do that. But but one of the big pieces of, of great old buildings, especially here is the character that's built into them, the, the materials of the craftsmanship that, um, you know, are hard to replace and hard to hard to recreate um, today. And uh, so you you try to work with that and you try to, um, you know, really um, emphasize it. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Sarah Clyde. We're talking today with Michael Porras, architect and founding principal at Macintosh Porous Architects. For more information, feel free to visit their website at MacintoshPorous.com. That's M-C-I-N-T-O-S-H Porous, P-O-R-I-S.com. Michael, can you share with us, uh, if you're at liberty to do so, uh, upcoming projects or projects that you're working on now? You don't have to name names, but love to hear. Well, we're doing we're doing a number of things. Uh, for, there's uh, well, one is the the Fisher Body Plant, Fisher Twenty One. It's called. Um, it's a 600,000 square foot um, Fisher body uh, factory uh, that was built in the early 1900s, 1910, 1912, around then. And um, it's one of the earliest cast in place concrete buildings. It's six stories. Uh, and we're, we're turning that into uh, over 400 um, units of residential uh, with market and um, and other retail. So mixed use project um, in Detroit, and that's a historic project. Um, it's a great project, and that's just moving forward again, which is a big deal. It's got funding, which these days is uh, you know is is an accomplishment. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, we're also doing uh, down the street from that, 
uh, building called 450 Amsterdam, which was Cadillac's first um, factory and uh, also one of the first cast-in-place concrete buildings. Uh, we have photos of when it was built of uh, all the concrete everything being done with horse and buggy, you know, which is amazing. You're getting this beautiful concrete, you know, building, um, but it's horse and buggy mm. uh, construction. Um, so that we're turning into lofts. So, um, and then we have two schools right now that we're converting into residential, uh, both historic as well. Um, one in Detroit, Higginbotham School, um, and the other in Gross Point. That was the first school in Detroit, in, in Gross Point. Um, and we're converting that. And um, there's a, a whole bunch more. <laughs> I love to hear examples. A lot of a lot of work back to get the job, get the job, get the job. Well exactly. done. Exactly. Well, well done, Michael. Really, a lot of respect. Salute to you. What would you like? And this might be a heavy question, but a legacy. What type of legacy, professional at least, would you like to leave, or if you've even thought about? It? I definitely thought of it uh, because it's it's what brought me back to Detroit. Um, you know the 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 difference we're making in the city and that we've made you know since i came back here 29 years ago um and it's really what brought me and my late business partner doug mcintosh back um after being away for 15 years we both grew up here and we'd left and honestly i never thought i would be back um but after living in you know New Haven, Connecticut, and LA, uh, and Israel and Japan, but you know, LA for eight years. Um, the idea of coming back here and actually working in a community uh, and making a difference in the community where you are versus um, doing projects, jetting off and doing projects all over the world in places that you may visit once, you know, you may never visit. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, sort of the old model of architects. Um, you know, where you work in a place um, that was appealing. Um, and um, and Detroit at that time, we used to say it looked like Berlin after the war mm. um, or Beirut or Havana. And it was, you know, when we got here in late 94, early 95, it was, you know, it was it was back when everyone was saying, you know, last one out, turn out the lights. <laughs> um, and and we thought at that point. This was, we were 32, and this, and we thought this is where we should be. This is where young, young architects should be, as opposed to the thousands of us, you know, with similar backgrounds that were in L.A. or New York or San Francisco, you know, and we all sort of go to these cities, and we thought, you know, those cities are done. They're baked. They're out of the oven. They're already, you know, great direction. Uh, Detroit was... Um, you know, was uh, really needed some help and uh, some thinking. And we thought, well, this would be a good place to actually see what we can do. And now 29 years later, you know, we've made a, we've made a difference. And I think, you know, a lot of that came out of um, a lot of the work and advocacy we did in the 90s and early 2000s. How about the, the building materials that you use and leverage on historical buildings, how have they changed in the last, say, two, three years in your experience? Um, 
the materials as far as the existing materials? Yeah, the, the materials? sustainability factor of materials in addition to on the historical buildings and how, how it still keeps the integrity. Um, well, it, it, you, you try to keep as much as you can. Um, and, and Detroit, again, it, it's a different market than, a, than a New York or an LA or San Francisco where there's much higher budgets, much higher rents. So the market supports a lot more cost. So in Detroit, for the most part, we've had to figure out how to do things um, on a shoestring, you know, and figure out how do you build for less. So one way to do that is to work with as much as you can that's existing. Like if it'll stand, and you know, if you can fix it, fix it, um, you know, rather than replace it. So. Um, so again, you know, and foundation is a good example where, you know, you punch a hole in the wall and the hole is interesting, you know, or you work around or uh, Woodward Garden Theater. You know, we were, it was an old theater. And um, we, when we, once we took down all the drop ceilings, there's, there were remnants of the original um, plaster ceilings and, you know, it wasn't all there, but we kept it. And it's, 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 you know, it's, it's this sort of history you know, sort of buried history uh, that you then highlight in contrast to like what you're building. So um, I look at it like like Scarpa, you know, in a way. Um, and uh, Castle Vecchio is a great example where, you know, you're working with, you know, it's sort of archaeology. Um, so, you know, it's okay for things to be broken or, or not perfect. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I like that. It's it's like keeps the character, keeps some of the authenticity of what you're working with. It doesn't have to be perfect. We don't have to put it back to, you know, what it was like a hundred years ago. Um, and I I think people like that. I think people like the character of an authenticity of building. So, um, yeah. So we work with what's there. Excellent. Our uh, public service announcement for. Uh... Michael's show today is for ASW Detroit. ASW Detroit is the architectural salvage warehouse of Detroit, which deconstructs buildings in the Southeast Michigan to keep environmental resources out of the waste stream and to make decent, affordable housing materials available to low and moderate income families. To find out more about their mission and purpose, visit their website at ASW detroit.org ASW Detroit.org. We're talking today with Michael Porras, founding principal at Macintosh Porras Architects. Their website's MacintoshPorras.com. Michael, in reference to that keeping um keeping things authentic and uh, people like that, I, I heard a, a great um uh, interesting story just like a, a week ago about um it's a rabbi asks uh, a kid a, a child asks a rabbi hey rabbi how do you, uh, i'm gonna get married not a child a, a kid uh, asks him if I'm, when i get married and i have to give her a ring you know how do i the big one's less expensive than than the than the real one how would i know which one is real and the rabbi says to him it has flaws <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was relevant to what you, you just shared. I don't know. Maybe you don't, but. Uh, 
Uh, no, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's true. Uh, and those flaws, you know, there's a patina. And okay. it's like, that's that's what's interesting. It's like if you buy an antique, you know, you're supposed to leave that. You know, you don't want to, like, clean it up or it loses its value. Oh, very interesting. Or it loses its value. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, I mean that's you know with with some furniture, some antiques, some things that you know when you when you get them and they're old, it's like if you if you restore them, you might actually you know make it less valuable. Um, you know, but but I think you know patina and people like that. It's you know it, it's we and and this is the other thing when we started working here in the nineties, we we didn't want to we didn't want everything to be demolished and and then a new city to get built that would look like every place else so we didn't want it to be a dallas or a houston or an atlanta or you know any anywhere um and so as much as you could keep um would create that context and and that authenticity and then we were hoping that eventually we would get to the point where we could build new, which is now happening. Um, but when you build new in this city, um, you're building in relationship to to the older buildings that are still standing. And, and so we, which is a big part of how we got really interested in historic buildings and saving them, was so that um, we'd still have an authentic Detroit. What would you like to share, Michael, that we may not have touched on today in your show? Um, as far as what what really means and matters much to you in architecture, even in personal life? I well, I think I really enjoy. Oh, fine. This is a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a. Uh, Let's do another question. That's, that's too hard. Okay. Okay. Uh, wh wh you what can do you, edit that out. How does that... Uh, no, that's perfect. That's what we love about podcasts, the authenticity. How does... What does architecture look like to you in the next two, three years, just from your vision? Market-wise? Market-wise, business-wise, design-wise. Uh, it's a very good question. I mean, I think the... The hangover from COVID is still, you know, we're still dealing with it and trying to figure out where we're going with cities, um, you know, with with cities, you know, with the workforce not necessarily being back. Um, you know, we're seeing in, in Detroit, and I'm sure you're seeing, I know we're, we're seeing a lot of other cities, a lot of retail not necessarily making it, you know, and, and so, you know, what's that going to do to our cities, um, you know, and, and uh, wh where are we going? You know, it's like, what's the next thing? Is that how do you, are we going to be able to keep the cities um, together with, you know, with more residential and entertainment to sort of fill in for, you know, the, the lack of office users? Um, uh you know, it's, it's, and, and that's going to affect us financially because obviously commercial architecture is, is slowed down. Um, so I think, you know, firms that focus in commercial architecture, it's, you know, there's just not as much. Um, and I think that's going to hit us 
if not already. But um, so it's hard to say. Um, but these are big challenges. I mean, this this could be, you know, maybe this is another sea change from where we've been for hundreds of years with cities, you know, or at least, you know, downtown being driven by office um, and commercial. Um, maybe that's going to change now. Not sure. <laughs> well, Michael, it is an absolute pleasure and, and an honor having you here today. As I told, told you, I, I love your work and uh, I hope you come back again sometime really soon. I'd love to hear what your projects are. You've won so many awards and so accomplished. We need another show and I hope you're interested in doing so. I know this went by so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that because that means you uh, hopefully enjoyed yourself. Yes, I did. Thank you. Excellent. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Cyriclad. Our guest today was Michael Porras, founding principal at Macintosh Porras Architects. The firm has gained over 130 design accolades, including 30 AIA Honor Awards and 70 Detroit Design Awards. For more information, feel free to visit their website at MacintoshPoris.com. Again, that's M-C-I-N-T-O-S-H-P-O-R-I-S.com. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is recorded from the offices of Syracuse and Redmond, Washington, and on location. The executive producer and host of the uh, of our show is yours truly, Tom Duro, and the chief audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. We look forward to you joining us again next time. Thank you for listening. Cyraclad is a high-performance fiber cement siding system in one size with triple coat technology and 365 days of self-cleaning, along with a 20-year fade limited warranty. Cyraclad also offers hundreds of design options. For more information, feel free to visit Cyraclad.com. Dot com.